Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. And that was something that Abimelech would have been smart to realize. If somebody will go with you and help kill your brothers, you may want to watch your back. Remember, if you'd like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. Uh, we are going to continue our journey through the book of Judges. We're going to be in Judges chapter 9 uh, this morning. So if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to that. This is the longest chapter in the book of Judges. It is somewhat depressing. Uh, it is filled with a lot of action, a little conspiracy, a little look at what is a dysfunctional family. <clears throat> but the Bible's got some of everything in it, right? When we look around at the world today and we see how people behave and we think, oh, the world is just getting worse, it's getting worse. But then when you read in the Bible, you realize people have always done some of those things. Yep. Done those, uh, done some things worse, just done them differently, right? We have a, you know, the advantage of technology, so some things we can do with a little bit more flash, a little more pomp and circumstance, but conspiracy is still com conspiracy. All right, so when we, before we jump into chapter nine, just to sort of sum up a little bit of the things that went on at the end of chapter eight. <clears throat> Remember, we've been talking about Gideon. Uh, who was a humble young man, and the Lord you know, sent an angel and spoke to him and told him he was going to deliver uh, the children of Israel out of the bondage that they were currently in. The, the current oppressor uh, was Midian. And so that had happened, and he had gone in, and then they had, he led the raid with the 300, and then the others had come in, so they had been successful uh, in doing that. And so now, you know, they're kind of, they're back on top. You know, so to speak. And everybody's all excited and they're saying, you know, Gideon, now Gideon has 70 sons. That is a seven zero seven D uh, by many different women. So as you can see, there may already be some things going on in his life. Um, so he has 70 sons and he also has a son by a concubine. Now a concubine was a slave woman. She was not technically his wife, but she had, he had a child by her. And she lived in Shechem at her father's house. And so that's where uh, that son, well, that son was in Gideon's household. And so the nation of Israel is saying, well, Gideon, uh, they're going to set up a kingship. You be king over us. And then when you're dead, your sons rule over us. And then when they're gone, their sons rule over us. And we'll just set up uh, the monarchy, you know, so to speak. And we'll just have your family line always be ruler over us. Because when you get people out of trouble, they're ready to worship you, right? I mean, that's just plain and simple. You get somebody out of a pinch, and then you are the best thing in their eyes since sliced bread, and they're willing to whatever. But Gideon doesn't take the kingship. He says, no, I'm not going to rule over you. My sons are not going to rule over you, but I will take you gold. So he takes a bunch of gold from him, and he makes what's called an ephod, which was a part of the priestly garment. And so it's a little unsure whether he was making that so that they would turn their eyes back to the Lord, um, you know, or, or so that he would have that when he prays that he could hear from God. It's a little bit uncertain. But what we don't read about is you remember when the, the first act that Gideon did was to go and tear down his father's shrine and temple to Baal. We don't hear about him telling anybody else to do that. And they had them all over because the country was now worshiping. They had turned from God and they were worshiping Baal. And we don't see that he has 
taken the people and said, we, let's turn our hearts and eyes, our minds back to God and worship Jehovah only. And that was, that was a misstep, as we can say, because we already have a people that's prone to, you know, turning their, part, their heart away from God. And so here we have, after, you know, everything is gone and, and everything's gone well, and when Gideon dies, what do you think happens? They go back to doing the same thing. And the way the scripture has it is, it says, and you know, the children of Israel did, they again played the harlot with the Baals. Now the Baals were, you know, the false gods, gods. But to me, when I hear that said, they played the harlot with, they weren't even faithful to the false gods they were worshiping. They weren't faithful to Jehovah. They were just whoever was the flavor of the month, so to speak. And when we look in our own, you know, you know, today's times, when we look in our own lives, sometimes you can see how people are faithful to whoever is working for them at the time. If, you know, if it takes me, if it's convenient for me to be Catholic and go in and do whatever I'm going to do and then go to the, the priest and confess and believe that he's going to take care of it, well, then, you know, that's what I'm going to do. But now if I'm sick and, you know, this church says that I can be healed and the doctors have given up and I've tried everything else, well, let me go on over there and see what they got going on. Um, but then once I get my healing, you think, well, they're good, you know, because they can help you pray and get healing, but they want you to change your lifestyle. And I wasn't trying to do all that. You see, I just wanted to feel better. So then you go, you know, to somewhere else or you, you know, just step back and say, well, I'm, I'm good. I can handle this on my own. I just needed God to help me get out of that hole. But this I can do on my, on my own. I'm, I'm fine. I don't need to make any other changes. So when you look at the terminology, play the harlot, where they're just bouncing from one place to the other, from one God to the other. Whoever is serving their purposes better at the time. So they don't remember God, and then they don't even remember the house of Gideon. And we will see how that comes up a little bit later. So then we move on into chapter 9. <clears throat> now, when you have a household as diverse as Gideon's household is, there's going to be problems. I just have two kids, and they have the same parents. And sometimes they get on each other's nerves. Now, can you imagine having 70 and they got different mamas and you trying to keep peace in the household? So here we have Abimelech, the son uh, by the concubine. So he's not even, you know, the child of one of the wives. This is just a slave girl. And so he comes, gets it in his mind. He goes to um, his, his name means my father is king. He wasn't at all happy that his father turned down the opportunity to be king. Because if his father had taken the opportunity to be king, then perhaps maybe he would have. Now, I don't know where he fell in pecking order with the other sons, but he's looking at perhaps, you know, I could have been something. He was a very ambitious guy. And there's nothing wrong with being ambitious. We all should strive to be more than who we are right now. But we don't want to get caught up in pride. Remember, we talked about the seven deadly sins. Pride is a booger. Because it will get you to thinking of nobody but yourself, of no consequences to anybody else except for what's going on with you. And it will have you do things um, that you should not do, but because they seem like they'll benefit you. And so that's what we have going on with Abimelech here. He's ambitious and he's selfishly ambitious because he just is looking out for himself. So he goes to um, his maternal grandfather's house or his mother's father's house. And that's where his uncles are. And he goes to them and he tells them, he says, look, this is what I want y'all to do. 
y'all need to go to the leaders of Shechem, this is where they were from, and tell them, which is better for you, that all 70 of Gideon's sons rule over you, or that I, your own flesh and bone, rule over you? What is I'm, you know, we're here. I'm I'm one of, this is us. I'm one of y'all. Would you rather have me be king over you? You know, and I'm one of y'all. Or would you rather have all those other 70 sons that are not even a part of us? They don't know. They don't think like we think. They don't do what we do. They don't live here. They don't understand us. And so the uncles were like, oh, okay, you know, I, I can see that. So they go to the leaders of Shechem and they, you know, give them the argument. And they're like, well, of course, you know, if we've got to choose, you want somebody that's from you, you know, that knows what you've gone through. Um, and so they say, fine, yes, we want you. So they take money from the temple of Baal and they give it to Abimelech, which lets us know right there if he's willing to accept money from the temple. He's not worshiping Jehovah. He's, you know, willing to turn his back on his family. He's willing to turn his back on his on who his God is supposed to be, which also lets us see that perhaps Gideon wasn't teaching his children the way of God. Now, you know, that's possible that as they were, you know, he was raising them because they were fearful and they were, you know, under the hands of the Midianites. But after God has come in and shown himself strong in your life, you need to, you know, step back and try to, it may be, you know, that a lot of time has gone by and you may think, well, it may be too late, but a little bit of God is better than them getting none. And so here we have this. And so they give him this money. He goes out and and hires a band of mercenaries because he wants to be king. So he's going to secure his kingship. So here we go with a, with a coup, so to speak. And you still hear about those going on in countries now where somebody decides they want to be king and they, or they want to be president or they want to be the leader and they take it by force. And that's what Abimelech does. He gets his, they call them worthless, reckless men. And they go in and kill all his half brothers. 69 of them, the youngest one gets away. Because sometimes you just got to run and hide. And that's what Jotham did. He ran and he hid so he was able to survive. But can you imagine what it takes in you to decide that not only you want to be the leader, but you're you're willing to kill all of your brothers, all of your brothers to, to be there. That you're willing to put down whoever. Now, Think about, and let's try to, you know, because I always want us to bring this to back to today, back to our own situations. Now, I pray that none of you have gone out and slaughtered your family because you wanted to be number one. If you have, please don't. I'd have to turn you in. But how many times have we destroyed somebody's reputation because we wanted to be perceived as the better person? How many times have we talked down somebody else because we wanted to look big, because we wanted everybody to look up to us, because we wanted people to think that we were so special that we talked about somebody else? That may not be physically killing them, but you could kill their chances of something. Some you know, may have done it on your job. Any, any t- opportunity you had to sort of sow discord um, so that people would look down on them, we need to think about that that you may get your band of mercenaries, your little group who's willing to go with you and help you to spread uh, things. And it could be, some of it could be true. I mean, those are the best lies have a little bit of truth in them, uh, but they just get embellished. 
So we want to be mindful of that, that we don't get so caught up in selfish ambition that in order to get to the top, we have to pull somebody else down. If that's the only way you can succeed, you need to step back a minute because you're doing something wrong. Because when God is prospering you, he doesn't have to destroy anybody else in the process. Because each of us have our own sets of gifts and talents. And if we just submit to them, he will raise us up at the appropriate time in the appropriate way. And so we have a Bimelech here says, I'm just going to take this thing. Gideon, my my father didn't want it. I want it. So I'm going to take this thing. So he hires his group and they go out and they, you know, uh, kill the uh, brothers. And they run out. Now, there's a couple of other um, examples of selfish ambition in the Bible. And just a little note, if you don't know if you're being selfishly ambitious or not or prideful, just listen to the way you speak. If your conversation has a lot of I in it, you're going to have to check yourself. If, you know, every time something's going on, if, it, if you only look at things, how it affects you. You know, if somebody comes in and they say, you know, that... Um, there was something going on, you know, in the church. People have been, you know, spreading rumors or whatever in the church. And all you can think is, well, you know, I don't know if I want to be at that church because what are people going to think about me if they know that I'm yeah. a, a part of that church and people are saying stuff? Then you're not concerned at all about whether or not what's going on is true and what's going to be the effect of that person if they are slandering what's, you know, what God has put in motion. You're just concerned about your reputation, how it's going to affect you. So we have to be careful. Okay, here's some uh, statements. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. Sound prideful, doesn't it? Who made that nifty little speech? Mm -hmm. Lucifer, and we see what happened to him. right? So we think about when we're prideful like that, there's some consequences. Here's another one. Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? And that's a little tougher. King Nebuchadnezzar. And what happens to King Nebuchadnezzar? Very interesting story. You can read it in Daniel chapter 4 and find out what happens to Nebuchadnezzar. We won't talk about him here, but it's not good. So when we start to think about, look at what I've done. Look at this that I have created. Look at how I have put things in motion You need to step back a minute because there's nothing that we've done on our own. We've had help from other people. Even if that help was simply to step back and let you be in the limelight, there's been somebody in the background helping you along. All right, so we got, so he hires these mercenaries and he goes and he kills 69 of the sons and the men of Shechem gather together and they make Abimelech king. So he's gotten what he wanted. But how many of you know If you don't know from personal experience, I'm just going to tell you today, so maybe you don't have to learn from personal experience. People that will gather around you and do wrong with you will do wrong to you. Those very people who will huddle around you and gossip and help you pull down somebody else, when you leave the room, your name is fresh on their lips. They're talking about you just like they were talking about somebody else with you. And that was something that Abimelech would have been smart to realize. If somebody will go with you and help kill your brothers, you may want to watch your back. Because you just can't sow those kinds of seeds without getting a harvest. So I want us to be mindful of that. I know people say that there's honor among thieves. Well, yeah, there probably is until there's a greater reward somewhere else. And then they will turn you in. 
I'm sure there's a good percentage of people that are in jail because their friend turned them in. (laughs) When it is to your advantage to turn somebody else up, you're going to do it. And so uh, Abimelech goes out, and and here we have um, that this horrible thing has gone on. Now, my question as I was reading it is, okay, so he's got a band of men. We don't know how many, uh, but he's killing 70, 69 men who we assume they they are all adults. What happened? Where was the rest of any? Nobody came to their aid. You, we don't hear about anybody trying to stop him or anybody come to help him. And that sort of takes you back to remember when it said not only did the nation of Israel turn their heart away from God, but they didn't show Gideon's household any honor or respect either. All that he had done for them, and they're just, you know, like, okay, well, we, we told him he could be king, and you want to be king, we gave him go, okay, fine. That was then. Have you ever had anybody do you like that? You be there for them and help them out of a jam, help them out of a tough situation, and then when they get on their feet and things are going well, they act like they don't even know your name. You need some help, and they just, you like, you know, it looked like they would offer. You know, I, they see them in this tough situation, and I have done all I could to help them out. You ain't even going to ask me if I need some help. You can't throw no money over here. You see, got bill collectors calling. I told you I was in the bad way, and they just, I thank God for my house and all this extra money. I got piled up in the bank. You're like, what? What? Ain't even people will do you like that, right? We have to be mindful. So when we do, we got to make sure that we're doing because God said do. That stuff can set up something in you, right? (laughs) That can set up a root of bitterness and unforgiveness in you right quick if you aren't careful. Okay, so, and then here we go with our first parable of the Bible. I bet y'all thought parables only existed in the New Testament. We have some in the Old Testament too. So Jothan comes and he stands up on the mountain. This is the youngest son that got away because sometimes you just got to get out of the way uh, and, you know, you go back and regroup and come back another time. Ain't nothing wrong (laughs) if you got, sometimes you stand and fight, sometimes you got to flee, right? (laughs) And so he comes and he tells him, This is what he says. Listen to me. Uh, This is a parable of the trees. Listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The trees went forth to anoint the king over them, and they said to the olive tree, reign over us. And the olive tree said to them, should I cease giving my oil, which, which with which they honor God and men, and go sway over the trees? Then the tree said to the fig tree, you come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go and sway over the trees? Then the trees said to the vine, you come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, should I cease my new wine, which cheers both God and men and go to sway over the trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble, you come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, if in truth you anoint me as king over you, Then come and take shelter in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now, therefore, if you have acted in truth and sincerity in making Abimelech king, and if you have dealt well with Jeroboam, which was uh, the, uh, the name for Gideon that his father had given him when he knocked down the temple of Baal, 
If you have dwelt well with Jeroboam and his house and have done to him as he deserves, for my father fought for you, risked his life, and delivered you out of the hand of Midian. But you have risen up against my father's house this day and killed his sons on one stone and made Abimelech the son of his female servant king over the men of Shechem because he is your brother." If then you have acted in truth and sincerity with Jeroboam and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and Beth Milo, and let fire from the men of Shechem and from Beth Milo deliver, uh, devour Abimelech. And Jonathan ran away and fled and hid because he was afraid of his brother. Now again, sometimes you come, you deliver the word of, the God, of God and you get out of town. <laughs> But let's look at that as this parable of the trees. He's going, they said the, the trees come and they're looking for somebody to rule over them. Now, step one, if you're looking for somebody to rule over you, it behoove you to be prayerful as to who that person should be. You don't just go picking people because you think they may be good and you say, well, you come and why don't you be in charge of us or why don't you lead me the way we should go? Or why don't you give me a direction or wisdom or insight? You need to be prayerful as to who because everybody that can lead should, doesn't mean they should lead. Some people have the talents and abilities to get up and speak before you and have such wonderful things to say, but they may lead you down the wrong path. So you need to know who needs to be leading you. So they come and the trees are saying, okay, we need a ruler. So they go to the olive tree and the olive tree was like, well, I've already, I'm doing my purpose. Now see, you also have to know when people come to you asking you to lead, if you're supposed to be leading them, because if you're already doing what God has called you to do, if I'm an olive tree and I'm already giving God glory for my gifts and talents, then that may be where I'm supposed to stay. I'm just going to sit here and produce olives and they're going to make the oil and they're going to do what they need to do. I don't need to be trying to rule over nobody else. I'm an olive tree. I'm good. You know, and then they come and they're asking, what was it? The fig tree. And, you know, the fig tree realizes, well, you know, I'd have to sacrifice what I'm doing for God to be able to go and do that. And, you know, he's not calling me to do that. And we have to think about just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. You got to be where God needs you to be. You may be over here and you may think, well, there's more glory in, you know, leading over a group than to sit over and doing this one thing. Well, not if that's not what you're not supposed to be doing. If what I'm supposed to be doing is being a fig tree, then I am at my absolute best when I'm producing figs. And when God comes to me and asks me when all of this is over, where are my figs? If I said, well, you know, I, was, I stopped doing that because they needed me to come over here and help. And, and I did a good job. And you see, people got saved and all this went on. He says, well, you know, yeah, that's well and good, but I needed figs. And I needed them from you. And when you stopped doing them, nobody else started doing them. So when they're what? No figs. And so the fig tree's like, you know, I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm not going to do that sacrifice. But now they go to the bramble. Now, how many of you know what a bramble is? You know, like a briar bush. You think about like the tumbleweeds, you know, just sort of brambles. Uh, they're not really fit for anything but fire. They use them for fuel. That's what they use them for. And so, but now here is the, the pride of the bramble bush. And you can see this pride in some people. They're not fit for anything, but they think they're God's greatest gift to everything. And so they come to the bramble and the bramble saying, Okay, if you want to anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. What shade? A bramble bush doesn't have a shade that you can sit under and be cool. It's, it's not fit for, so it's promising you something it can't deliver. But because you were so desperate for leadership and you were not praying and asking for direction, you fall for it. 
because they were so desperate that Abimelech came with some good words, I'm part of y'all, that they just said, okay, fine. You know, not thinking, perhaps you were already doing well on your way, the way you were. It didn't say that they were in need of a king. Doesn't say that the country was going, you know, anything was going wrong. But they, he come, you know, offering them something. And I guess they figured, well, he saw we needed it. So I guess we, we may go with him. And sometimes we can do that in our lives. You'll be going along just fine. And somebody will come and offer you something. And you didn't even think you needed it before. But now all of a sudden, well, they're right, maybe. Well, okay. All right, well, I'll follow you. And you don't even know what they have to offer. They don't come, he's a bramble, here's a bush, some weeds, come and get under my shade. Right, and it says, um, you know, and if not, let fire come out of the bramble. So here we see when he says here, when Jotham goes down and he says, okay, now he's giving him the parable and he says, okay, if you were acting in truth and sincerity, if you were, you know, from your heart believing that this was the best thing for you, then fine. If you have dealt well with Gideon and his household, Jeroboam, with my father, if you, in your heart, if you know you've done right by them, then everything's good. You don't have anything to worry about. And that's a, a thing we can ask ourselves when we go and do stuff, when we are uh, making our decisions, when we're deciding to act, we need to stop and think, if I think I'm doing well by this person and I'm not operating just out of spite or out of fear, but I sincerely look back and think, okay, I'm doing right by them, then don't worry about it. You go on and do what you got to do. But if when you honestly have a conversation with yourself, and like he, he reminds them, my father fought for you. Nobody else was trying to, to raise up and deliver them. But Gideon did. He, he heeded the voice of the Lord. He went and he fought for them. He risked his life. He delivered you out of the hand of Midian. You, you were being oppressed. He came. He helped us, he helped us out. But you have risen up against my father. Not only did you disrespect him, but you've come and killed his sons. Now, and his sons would have been, because that's how things were inherited, that was like the strength of his household, that you would come in. Not only do you not honor him for what he's done, but then you come and actively destroy his household, out of, you know, for your own sakes. And you've made uh, Abimelech, you've come and you've made him, uh, king over you because he's your brother, because he's like you, because you could relate to him. Uh, you've chosen to put him up before you. And he tells him, if you've acted in truth and sincerity, then, you know, fine, rejoice and you're king. Here you go. He's yours. But if you haven't, here comes the judgment, right? But if you haven't, then let fire come down. Fire come from Abimelech. He tells him, if not, Abimelech is going to destroy you and you're going to destroy him. And that is what happens when you join together and doing wrong with somebody. They knew what they did was wrong. If Abimelech needed to be king or if he was to be king, it would not have come at that price. He wouldn't have had to come in. It doesn't even say that any of his brothers were interested in ruling. They apparently were living their lives because nobody else tried to rise, you know, be raised up to be king. So he tells them, you know, if when this thing plays out, if you are not right in your dealings, it's going to come back on you. And when we partner up with somebody to go after somebody else, that's what's going to happen. When we group up together as we try to destroy our brother and our sister, well, like I said, we may not physically do it, but if you find yourself sitting and lying in wait in conversation, uh, looking at somebody beholding their lifestyle and tearing them down with somebody else, 
You just wait. If you are justified in your actions, don't even worry about it. But if you weren't, that's going to come back on you. You and the people you were in cahoots with are going to end up destroying one another. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Abimelech ruled for three years. It don't take long. Long enough for you to think, well, all's well and good. Okay, nothing's going to come back. But then after a while, there started to be a little discord in the people that he was ruling over. They start to think, wait a minute, somebody else rose up because just like you have a good speech, somebody else has a good speech. And they start setting ambushes uh, so that the people, who merchants that were coming in couldn't get to town. They would you know, set up these ambushes on the side of the road. And if you're a king and you're collecting taxes and you're getting money and the merchants with the money, uh, the merchandise can't get to you, you don't get money for long. And then somebody else who's one of them. Now, remember, Abimelech, his, his mother was from Shechem, but Gideon was not. So he was half one of them. So a whole one of them rose up and says, you know, hey, y'all, look at what's going on. He's not treating us right. He, he doesn't know us like I know us. Somebody else with a little bit more flowery tongue gets up and he's, you know, telling, he's boasting about what's going on. And, and they have a little festival and they go and they get some, some, uh, Grapes, you know, they make some wine and they're drinking and they're having a good time. And that lets you know right there. You, and he gets these people all worked up into a frenzy. Have you ever seen people worked up into a frenzy? And, you know, it really don't take a lot. If you got a group of people and y'all having a good time, y'all, you start out laughing and talking. You don't even really have to get drunk physically to get drunk emotionally. And you deliver a good speech and you can get a crowd worked up. And before you know it, you're like, yes, let's go. And you're like, what are we doing? What, what, and then when it all settles, you're like, what? I don't even know how that happened. I don't, I don't even know. And people get all worked up, and that's what happened. He got the crowd all worked up, and he's telling them stuff they want to hear and how, you know, the merchants can't, you know, people aren't coming in, and, and all this is going on. And so he sees this opportunity. He set a men in ambush, and it says you know, he came with his brothers and they, they put the people, men of Shechem put their confidence in him and they went out into the fields and they gathered grapes and they trod on them and made merry and they went into the house of their God. So see, he's not trying to worship Jehovah to the house of their God and they ate and they drank and they uh, cursed um, Abimelech and, and he says, who is Abimelech? Who is Shechem that we should serve him? You know, he's the son of uh, Jeroboam. He's the son of Gideon. Why, why do we have to serve him? But now if everybody was under my authority, if I were in charge, I'd get rid of it. I'd say, look, you bring out your army, you come on, we'll, we'll take care of this right now. All right, and so it doesn't take long, just in a short time. And you'll know, you, just like when we can be in groups, huddle up with people, it doesn't take long. Of course, I have a personal word of testimony. I was very young, <laughs> I was junior high school. And I had a group of friends. And I thought everybody, in, we were, you know, we hung out together and we were friends. And so one of the young girls, we were working on the yearbook. Lord have mercy. We were in this little closet, which I realized probably wasn't that wise now. Because, you know, you use that rubber cement. They wasn't well ventilated. So <laughs> we probably weren't thinking clearly. <laughs> they don't even let you use that, buy that stuff if you're underage these days. So we're in there and... 
we were being young girls, teenage girls, and well, preteen girls, and we were catty, and we were talking about whatever, and so one of them starts telling them how these other girls have been talking about me and the stuff they've been saying about me, and so, you know, I'm like, you know, and so then I start talking all big and bad about them and all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, it's between, you know, among friends. We're sitting here, and we're discussing it, and we get, it, get each other all riled up. The day didn't even go by. We leave from that. At one point, I'm in the hallway, and sure enough, here comes the girls that I'm talking about because they were talking about, you know, because see, I'm justified, right, because they started it. So she had went and told one of the girls in the group, just left, just left from my face and went and told them everything that I had said, you know, because you could be big and bad when you're in the little closet with your friends, right? So she go tells them everything, and they come up to confront me in the hall. Now, I'm sorry, I'm not much of a fighter. I guess if I had to, I probably could, but I wouldn't ever want to go looking for trouble, right? And so here I am in the hallway, and they come up, you know, to me, and now they're all up in my face repeating, you know, the words that I said, so I know. And then here she comes, smiling. And I'm like, what? And she's like, well, I thought they just need to know what you said. So I did get out of that scrape. But I learned a lesson from that, right? She was content to sit there and tell me what they said to get me all riled up so I would do something. But she was just as content to go back to them. She was just a troublemaker. That's pretty much what she was, instigator. And she would go back to them to tell them what I said. And we could have went on, you know, because I thought we were good friends. And so we have to, that kind of stuff will happen. You'll be in a group with somebody. And you need to watch people when they start bringing up to you, when all your, all their conversation is bringing up to you other people's faults. Well, this is what they did. Did you see them when they did this? Did you hear what, did you see the way they, when they got, did their testimony? Because don't be deceived. It's in the church. People will do that and they will come and they will point fingers at somebody else in the congregation to get you all stirred up and riled up and you all, well, I can't believe they did this and I can't believe they did that. And, and they, and then they leave from you. They may not be as quick as she was. I don't even know how she got the message delivered so fast. But they will leave from you, and then they will go to that person. And they will say, you see how she's looking at you? See see how? That ain't, that ain't how God would want to. She shouldn't be treating you like that. You hear what she said after your testimony? I saw, I was looking at him, he was up testifying. And they will do that to, to get, to put a wedge, you know, to get stuff started. You can get people all worked up in a frenzy. So that's what happens. So this guy's going to take over. Uh, but Abimelech has one of his people in the city and they hear it. And so they come, we're going to zip through this last part. So needless to say, that part doesn't work. Abimelech finds out about it. They're able to come in and defeat uh, the people that are rising up against him. Um, and that's what he does. He comes in, he defeats him, he waits the people go out of, out of town, and then he does an ambush, and he sets the place on fire. And so remember back to the parable, uh, if this was not right, then, you know, he's, it's going to come back at you. He's a bramble bush. All he's good for is fire. There's going to be fire from Abimelech to consume you, and that's what he does. Uh, he kills the leaders of the people. Then some of them run into the temple thinking they're going to be safe, uh, and it's just, it gets to be brutal. They go and cut down trees and they, you know, just sort of pile them around the building and burns down the place and, you know, lots of people lose their lives. Uh, and then Abimelech, uh, is then as they're going to, um, around another tower to do the same thing to kill some other people. He does what he says when he throws salt in the city. 
which is symbolic of the city being desolate and nobody else to come in and for it to no longer be prosperous. Uh, but while he's doing uh, some other things in the tower, uh, a woman who's in there throws this millstone, big stone out, and hits him on the head, and he's dying. Uh, and it's a very disrespectful death because, first of all, he's not dying in battle. And secondly, he's been killed by a woman. And, you know, you big old big stuff, you don't want that. Somebody, you know, some woman, can, you want everybody knowing, you know, because you're a big man. You want everybody to know that not only did you not die in battle, but you got killed because somebody hit you on the head with a rock. And that's what that, so he has his armor bearer. You just kill me because I don't want everybody to know. Well, he wasn't successful because we know. Right, because that kind of stuff gets out, right? <laughs> and so we see how they did wrong together, um, but it came back on them. The town uh, lives were many lives were lost uh, as Abimelech, as the fire came from him, and then his life, in fact, was lost uh, in retribution uh, for the people. So, just be mindful, okay? When you set out to do something. Do what God has you to do. Don't go leading a people or leading a cause that he hadn't called you to. Don't get so caught up in your own ambition that you think I'm going to make this happen and get caught up and you lead people to do stuff. And don't be a part in the crowd that's so quick to be worked up into an emotional frenzy that you help somebody go out and destroy somebody else because it's going to come back on you and it's not going to be pretty. But, you know, even beyond that, we want to be godly people. We want to do what God wants us to do, right? All right. Thank you all so much for being a part of our Sunday school class this morning. We'll pick up next week with chapter 10. Um, and we have, of course, gone over time, as we always do. But we're going to go ahead and consider ourselves dismissed. And we'll be back for prayer at 10 till? Quarter till? Okay, 15 till. So you got a few minutes to refresh yourself before prayer. Well, those of you that are here tonight and those of you that are listening by way of CD, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, we're going to say this short prayer together. And I pray that if you pray this prayer sincerely, the Lord will hear you and he will answer you. So if everybody here, would you, would you stand with us at this time? And we're going to invite our Savior in our hearts because he loves us. And he is not here to condemn us. He's not here to embarrass us. He loves you. He loves you. And he does not want distance to be between you. So, would you repeat with me? Would you pray with me? And just say, Father, I come to you admitting that I have done wrong. I have sinned. And I have fallen short of your glory. But I've heard that you're a loving God and that you will forgive me. So now I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I confess Jesus as my master, my Lord, and as my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Live in me. I accept you. And I thank you for accepting me. Now fill me with your precious spirit. I thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to kingdomrock.org.
That's kingdomrock.org.